welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational and entertaining auto detailing podcast, hosted by Marshall Hill of Total Auto Solutions and DJ Patterson of Eco Green Mobile Detailing. Grab a pint and enjoy. Hey detailers, just wanted to let you know that Mobile Tech Expo Orlando is open for registration. Go to mobiletechexpo.com and use code PINTS for 15% off for being in the community. Hurry before they fill up. Go to mobiletechexpo.com and use code PINTS for 15% off. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to another edition of Helping Young Detailers. Nick, I don't know if you've heard the news, but I am extremely sad. Uh... One of my favorite films of long time, just standing, rolling films, has always been James Bond. And, uh, uh, well, James Bond has decided not to attack Karuna. He's decided to stay at bay and not release until spring, I think, 2021. Oh, really? Which apparently is causing some issues. Uh, well, <laughs> we're now seeing, uh, I, was, I was reading earlier, Regal. I think is one yeah, of the Regal. animus that has now decided that Corona itself is not worth fighting either. And, uh, has, uh, waved their white flag and is going to close their business. An unfortunate wow. one more business that has been closed from this debacle. So, uh, wow. Hadn't heard that. That's crazy. Yeah. Not, not fun. Not fun. No. I, I really like James Bond. So, you know, very, I'm very hurt. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I mean, look, it's you know, this is what we've been saying. This is just people are just kind of letting some some major news go by them and not sort of understand what it means long term. Mm-hmm. Uh, slowly but surely was the thing we kind of said would happen here. That slowly but surely uh, you'd start to see these types of closures and these types of things. Is surely ever fast? The only one I've ever known. She's usually slow. A little <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Bad joke. Uh, so, wh- anything else hopping for you? Uh, what's going on in Vegas? How's the baby? Baby's going good? Yeah, everything's good, man. Uh, can't complain. You know, this is kind of a busy time for us. I, I kind of told you when you sort of get out of summer uh, into these this time of year for us, uh, we usually see business pick up. We have. Um, this is expected, though. We're just this is just normal every every year for us. We. You know, we have protection plans that go into effect. We have different things that happen this time of year, getting people ready for wintertime, getting people ready for a little bit more travel, uh, holiday travel, that kind of thing. So this is just sort of a busy time for our company, and uh, we're seeing it normalized for us. All right. Yeah, here fall definitely starts to slow down uh, multiple people here, especially, you know, when I was owning the car wash, I would I would take my vacations around now or, you know, late September, you know, we're – we're seeing uh, not necessarily just a slowdown from the industry while some are seeing that. We're also seeing just that change of season slowdown. So detailers here and washes and uh, dealerships are all kind of, you know, ramping down just, you know, from the busy summer. Uh, yep. Hey, so uh, it'd be a fun little thing to toss back and forth. Let's, let's go through some ideas that we're seeing across the industry. Uh, yeah. Some different theories in a sense. Um, I, myself was approached uh while uh leading a training 
uh, it was over at Justin Lobato's shop and they were asking heavily on, you know, would you code a vehicle that, uh, that you hadn't corrected? You know, if you hadn't even yep. polished it, uh, we're seeing now people start to question, do you even need to use a clay bar or a clay mitt to remove contaminants before putting on a protection or if customer just wants a protection, just put it on there. I mean, Nick, I, is that a, is that a theory that you think um, happens state to state? Is that a, is that a regional thing that maybe uh, certain parts of the country just aren't affected by industrial fallout or contaminants? Uh, whereas other states and other places might be affected more, do you think? Or yeah, I, well, we get know, a, we get a lot of shipments of cars out of Los Angeles. So compare if you compare to Los Angeles to Las Vegas. So if I have cars delivered to a customer that come out of L.A., they were in L.A. for six months, let's say, sitting on a dealership lot or whatever, they come out, uh, they send them to Vegas. The contamination is much heavier in Los Angeles than it is in Las Vegas. So contamination happens everywhere. The level of contamination is different everywhere. Uh, you know, I've been in, I've detailed in all kinds of different states and, and stuff like that. And I've had cars shipped in from all over the country. The Northeast is going to be more fallout than what we deal with in Vegas. Uh, you know, we've had cars shipped in from places like Oregon that have very little fallout, but they still have fallout. So one of the random things that, that I think has been passed around and I, I, you know, I had a video sent to me and, you know, you heard it at trainings is about the clay bar to get decontamination off. Okay, so here's really what we need to discuss, just as, like you said, throwing it back and forth. If you're a young guy and you're watching this video on YouTube or you're going to a training with Marty or other companies and they're saying, you inflict damage to paint with a clay bar or a clay mitt or clay towel. You cause micro abrasions and those types of things. So what, what you shouldn't do is cause those abrasions without the ability to fix them. Polish yeah. it. Hey, so I heard this years ago, actually, at, uh, I was at a car, you know, it's a car wash that was owned by a dealership. It's kind of a random story. And there's these details yeah. in there. And they were actually talking about not using a clay bar because it removed microns of the clear coat. No. Hey, I'm I mean, just saying, I mean, there's, there's some different theories out there, you know, yeah. they were big, uh, griots or groits or something. And they yeah. Thought yeah. Griots. Them, uh, yeah. So, so here, here's the thing. If you don't have lubrication on the surface and you're running a clay bar dry over the surface, uh, yeah, that's going to inflict damage. Uh, anybody with common sense that's been doing this for five seconds, let me go ahead and tell you, do not put a clay bar, a clay mitt, a clay towel on a dry surface and start rubbing it around. Uh, that, that's Probably not what anybody, advice. okay. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't think I'm breaking any news here. Okay. Uh, so when somebody says this, it feels to me like they want to appear as they're really extremely knowledgeable. We don't want to inflict any pain on the paint. You know, we we're against that as detailers. Well, yeah. I got news for you. When you wash a car and you take your mitt and you put it on the surface, you're going to do something to the surface. Okay. Yeah. Now we do our best to limit damage, right. but not everybody does that perfectly and takes every second and only uses the perfect wash medium. And so now we're talking about clay and we're saying, if you clay a car, you have to polish it. That's the, that's the theory here that's been passed around this week. Um, that's ludicrous. Yeah. That's, because here's the reason. 
from, from top to bottom, here are the things that most car owners struggle with. Maintenance, protection, and then correction. Okay. Correction is third. And the level of importance, correction is third to the average consumer. Now, if I have a show vehicle, if I have a garage queen that I've saved my whole life for and I want it to be perfect, different discussion. A daily driver to tell me that you'd rather lay protection over the decontamination rather than use the clay bar that would might, you know, again, give you little, little bits of, of micro abrasions is ludicrous to me because. But but Nick, I mean, you've seen more than micro, right? I mean, you, you've seen like some of the extra marring that goes on that just happens. Oh, sure. And here's what I've seen it for people that don't know how to clay a car they're going to introduce a lot of problems. This is the funny thing though. Everybody's been going to training. So I'm confused at how you don't know how to use clay because everybody's been paying for training or do we skip that, skip over that at these trainings or what do we do? Here's what I know. If, if you know how to wash and decon a car properly, which is by the way, what we tell young guys, learn to wash yeah. a car, learn to decon a car, then learn how to do a wash and wax, then learn how to polish your car, go through your steps. Now, I know, I know they don't teach you that at training, but how do you have all these abrasions with the clay the way it is now? I can use a really fine clay bar, and I would take the best detailer and say, show me where I abraded the paint. They wouldn't be able to do it. Not on a normal daily driver. They wouldn't be able to point to it. Now, for somebody that went to a training that maybe didn't discuss how to use clay – because again, it's not that important. You got to sell your polishers. You got to sell your pads. You got to sell your polish. You don't make the clay. So you don't, maybe, but to, we all know what protection needs. It needs a naked surface to bond to on that paint to be the most effective. To tell me all of a sudden now, I'm going to basically tell a human being to put protection on your paint properly. You have to polish the car because we can't clay the car unless we polish it, man, we're really drawing a really thin line of people that will do business with us. Yeah. Do you remember when you first started using clay? Yeah, it was, uh, I used clay immediately. Uh, the wholesaler that I worked for those, those guys were on it. I mean, from the very beginning I I used clay. I didn't, I mean, it was probably years later, you know, finally somebody had, you know, literally in 2002, as you remember, but guys today literally won't understand that you had, you literally couldn't just look up stuff. You couldn't just no. go to a group and ask a question. You, no. you would have had to have found somebody in the phone book, which was this big giant thing that had a yellow section and a white section. And if you could figure that part out, first of all, you were doing good, but then you would have to go look up and find somebody and look up, you know, and spend time moving papers. And it was just, it's way too <laughs> yeah. much, you know, yeah. when you have ADD, a f- giant phone book and saying, look up a number, just, it doesn't compute, man. It just, it yeah. doesn't make sense. So, you know, you, you literally just figured things out until you ran into somebody or somebody said, Hey, have you seen this? So I remember getting some clay bar and the first one I got was the auto magic clay. I mean, they're the ones that had the patent on clay. And so what's interesting where you said clay's gotten a lot better, you know, and clay today, right? Clay, when it first came out was much different. 
it was all heavy duty. It was all heavy duty. So if, if guys yeah. know today, you have fine clay bars, you have medium clay bars, you have ultra heavy clay bars, you know, all you had was the pink ultra heavy yeah. back in the day. Yeah. That's not what we're dealing with today. No. Um, we have synthetic uh, clay now with the clay mitts and nano mm -hmm. skin and all this other stuff. I mean, you can really get ultra fine stuff. Yeah. I'm not telling you to take a purple clay bar, rub it on a dry car and say you're claying the vehicle properly. But here's where we are in this industry. We're drawing lines in really strange places. Folks, very few of your clients are ever going to care about correction. Okay. I'm talking about the normal general public. That's why we've talked to you about the people that drive correction in our industry are actually wholesale accounts. That's the most correction that gets purchased. The issue becomes when everybody, you try to fit everybody into one singular box, you're not going to ever grow your business. So I know that there are a lot of reputable detailers that agree with me that they actually have programs where they wash and decon a car and apply protection. There's nothing wrong with that. To draw the line and say, don't use a clay bar or a clay, you know, a, an ultra fine clay disc, you know, on a vehicle because you might get little micro abrasions on a daily driver is drawing a line in the sand that is so ridiculous. And people are saying, hey, we're the only ones going to tell you the truth. Yeah. You know, Nick, we're the ones you, telling you the truth. Would uh, you put protection down on a car without claim? No. I would because I wouldn't waste the customer's money. If I, if I was giving them six months of protection, this is the way I've always felt about protection. I've never had any protection that only lasted the minimum amount. And I take pride in that. You know, power lock was a really popular sealant. It was only supposed to last six months. In the middle of the desert, we regularly got nine plus months out of it because we took pride in prepping the surface. Now, a lot of times that was with a correction, but I certainly have clients that aren't going to pay for correction and they just want their Cadillac Escalade protected. Great, let's do it. Because again, maintenance and protection are what 99% of people are lacking in the target parking lot, right? You go walk around, everybody's almost got swirling. But the one thing that's causing damage to their paint is not the swirling. It's the fact that there's no protection on the surface and the sun's beating down on it. Mm -hmm. So let's stop acting like correction is at the top of the list and be honest, since that's what people want to say. We're the only one going to tell you the truth. Well, let me tell you the truth, big dog. Most people don't maintain their car and don't protect their car. Correction is irrelevant because they don't purchase the other two. Yeah. Yeah. When, when you're sitting face to face with a customer and, and they're looking at their paint and they're happy with it and they just want it to stay shiny. Yep. Listen, why is, I don't, I still don't understand where that became a wrong in our industry. Because we want to, we now have people that are giving advice that want to tell you from a couch what you should do at your business. This is why I made the training joke before. I'm not, I'm not telling you yay or nay, do it, don't do it. I'm telling you if you want to make money, why would you cut 99% of the population out of your business? Yeah. Why would you do that? All because one detailer down the street, and I, I guarantee you this, I know the people saying this stuff. If you gave me somebody's daily driver, a nice daily driver, and an ultra-fine clay bar, they couldn't pick out where I micro-abraded the paint because they don't even know what it, what it looks like. They think they know what it looks like, and they're giving advice on what they think they know. But I've done this exercise before with detailers. Show me. You're so good. I used to, I used to do this with wax. You remember the old wax thing? 
Oh, I can, I can tell the, the, the wax glow on a car. I would always oh, tell yeah. people the same thing. Okay. I'm going to put wax on this car at the show. I'm going to put sealant on this car. Do you remember that argument that used to happen? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. wax You looks have different. more sh show and gloss off of a wax than a sealant. You remember that? And they would even ask if you could do it on one half and the other. And would you, and I'm like, no, man, you, you can't tell the difference between looking at a wax car and a sealant car. Like, okay. So, so here's the funny thing. And I'm going to give all the young guys a little, little heads up on this. One of the biggest YouTube stars who's a show detailer. I did this to him at a, at his, at a show that he had a car that I beat in a show. And I said, you went on YouTube and you said this, that you can tell the difference. Which one of my cars has a sealant? Which one has a wax? And he goes, two Ferraris, by the way, both red. I said, which one? He goes, that one. I said, how about neither? Both are have, have a sealant on them. Now at the time, sealants were good. Were good. They, yeah. you know, they weren't, yeah. they were easy to remove. They had already gone through their little growth phase. They were just a, a, a better protection than wax. And yeah. my clients were happier with the longer protection. So I said, point it. Couldn't do it. You know why I couldn't do it? Because it was a, it was a wives tale. Yeah. You, you heard that you could tell the difference. So when people tell me, oh, well, you micro abrade the paint, you, you, you induce, you know, all kinds of abrasions. If I did it on a daily driver, a hundred out of a hundred detailers wouldn't be able to pick apart what was the abrasions with the clay bar and what was just normal swirling on the daily driver. So at the end of the day, I don't want young guys to get these ideas because they see content around this and they don't want to live in the real world. The real world is man, Mrs. Smith may have a Cadillac Escalade that she loves and guess what? She just wants it protected. Mm -hmm. Charge her an honest fee to do it right and let her be happy with her life. Now, not every, not every one of my clients is a show car. I got people that own Ferraris, Marty, that don't want them polished because they trade them in every six months. They're like, why do I want to polish? Yeah. But I guess the profitable ones now. Well, exactly. All right. So speaking of profit, right, let's move in how to be profitable as we continue our discussion on finances. All right. I think we're going to finish up uh, this really great series. Nick, thank you for your time as always that you spend, and especially on this series. Uh, I know there's a lot of people that have gotten really great feedback. We've heard, just seen in the comments and different stuff like, man, nailed it, nailed, you know, great information. Yep. So uh, I think they're also going to get even more information today, which is really exciting. This is, uh, we want to say from the start, this is uh, a discussion about debt and more of pitfalls in your finances with going into a shop. From the record, we've both stated previously and will state here now, I don't run a detail business out of a shop. Uh, our detailing business is still mobile. Now we do have a shop here that we use and we do bring customers in, but I don't run a business out of a shop, right? So the, the financial money that we bring in from detailing is predominantly done mobile. In the past, uh, when I started, I started as a mobile detailer. It was 2002. Built that to in 2006. I didn't go into a shop. I went into a $1.6 million car wash and detailing facility. So I didn't even have that option then. So I, I still can't really talk on the uh, practicalities and what goes into running a shop on that day-to-day -day basis. I went mobile to running a, 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 
a car wash and full-fledged detail shop. So uh, from there into chemicals. So that's my background, but we do have plenty of thoughts that we can go into on the finances and debt. Nick, give a little bit brief background into why you feel that you can discuss uh, what we're doing. Well, yeah, because I, I, you know, look, I I don't have a shop, but when I started my business, I had the opportunity to start a shop or go mobile. Uh, Financially, I was ready to do both. Uh, I chose mobile, uh, but I've also made investments in businesses that have done a lot of commercial real estate deals. And, you know, we've discussed that before. And so I feel comfortable talking about the real estate part of owning a shop because I do have expertise in that you know, through other avenues and other businesses that I actually represent the businesses to the commercial real estate agent. So, um, you know, what it, what it takes to run a shop day in and day out is no different than mobile. The difference is what your overhead is. Um, so I think that's what guys need to understand. The shop model is a fine model. I mean, there's no reason if that's what you think your future is and that's what you want to do, Uh, you should do it. But I think when we speak today, guys need to understand there's a layer of financial wherewithal you need to have to really flourish in the shop model, where a lot of times in the mobile model, you can make some mistakes, you can make some bad decisions as a business and very easily crawl out from under those. If you make a bad deal on your real estate, when it comes to opening your shop, you may sink your business from day one. Yeah. So uh, I would <laughs> would definitely say uh, agree. Uh, as we've been inside of shops, we've heard of, of bad deals. We've heard of signing wrong leases. Here is where, you know, we lease our, our place here. Running into that lease is, uh, is always in well, not always, but majority of times can be very, very tricky and very costly. Very. Uh, moving into the wash. I mean, we had we had major catastrophes that went wrong to where they we had a contractor skip off and they were going to pull down chains and remove walls and i mean we had oh yeah we had problems like it oh, the, yeah. the the thing that i think <clears throat> we want to mostly get across was to your point when i was escalating mine as to is listen moving from mobile detailing into a shop right if, if there is a much greater uh risk right on certain aspects, right? Shop owners are gonna say, well, you're not out driving, but the liability and the overhead of being in the shop does create a slightly different risk and especially overhead of renting a larger, bigger facility so that you can do more vehicles, right? I mean, that's, I think that's what we overall want to do, right? Do more vehicles. And so you're gonna need to have a bigger location. So that bigger location is gonna come with a much greater overhead and some yeah, it's chances, a burden. Yeah, yeah, it's a burden. some chances it's a different times burden. like this of ah, you know. Well, no, so- and, and 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 we and we see guys now that we know uh, who are having to make really tough decisions with their shop, uh, bring in other people, right? I mean, do all kinds of crazy things that six months ago they didn't have to do, and their business was affected by the pandemic in a way that if they were mobile, they probably get away with it. So the shop changes everything. And that's why, you know, 10 years ago, I made a decision. I believe the Amazons of the world are training clients for convenience. That's why I made the decision I made is to, I didn't want to ever inconvenience my clients because I thought we were moving to a more convenient world. And so you got to remember when you open a shop, you're going against the grain of what the customer is being trained at today. I mean, 
we think we're going to get stuff the same day. I had something from Amazon that was delayed three days. I went berserk. I was like, three days. I mean, but you rewind the clock five years, three days was no big deal. In five years, my mindset got tra- changed into, damn, I thought when I ordered this, it was going to be here in like an hour. I mean, that's, that's how I've been changed as a consumer. You've been changed like that. You know, you talk about your business, how you pride yourself on getting things shipped out quickly and how living in Tulsa has helped you ship things to all over the country. So you think about it as a business. So when you open a shop, the one thing I want to get across to people is you're going to think to yourself, because we all think this way, well, I've rented an apartment before. I'm just renting a building. Wrong. Commercial real estate is the most cutthroat real estate transaction you're ever going to go through. I'm that guy, which I talked to you about. Like, yeah, yeah, I I just kind of fell into some stuff, signed some things like wasn't. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the most cutthroat business. And here's what you need to realize when you're a tenant in a house or apartment, your landlord is essentially responsible for everything. The refrigerator goes down, they bring you a new one or they get it fixed. Uh, your washer and dryer goes down, they fix it, or they bring you a new one, right? Like the state really dictates that you got to kind of provide a lot of things in this residential real estate market, right? You, you, you in, in Las Vegas, you can't have somebody without AC for longer than I think 48 hours in the middle of the summer. So they're on it. You know, your AC goes out, they're coming to your house. Your AC goes out in your building. <laughs> the landlord's going to say, I don't know why you're calling us. That's your responsibility. And oh, by the way, commercial to have your commercial unit replaced is like 15 to $30,000, depending on what size your units are. I was once in a lease where we had six of those. Uh, so if six of them went out, it was a $180,000 expense. And the landlord would be like, why are you calling us? That's yours. But wait a minute, it's on your building and it's your unit. Look at your lease. Hey, our plumbing doesn't work. Yeah, that's not our problem. Hey, the roof's leaking. Hey, look at your lease. Hey, the electric's not working in my building. Call an electrician on your dime. It's a different ball game, man. Yeah, it's now, much different. Here's where guys get screwed. Because what if you go in there and the landlord knew that the AC was broken, didn't want to come out of their pocket for it, rented the space to you. It's December, so you don't need the AC. But June hits, you go to flip on the AC, it doesn't come on, and now you got a $7,000 bill, $15,000 bill to replace the unit. You think you're going to call the landlord and they're going to fix it because you've rented an apartment before. Commercial real estate is savage. They are not responsible for everything. And let me give you another part of, of, of commercial real estate people don't realize. You pay the insurance on the building. You pay to part of your rent goes to, it's called triple net goes to uh, keeping up the outside of the building, once again, which you don't own. Uh, You then are told to put insurance on your business to protect them after you're already paying in your rent insurance on their building through them. Yeah. You want to tell me that you understand what's going on? There ain't a training in the world that the detailing world has told you what I'm telling you right now because none of those guys know any of this. Not one of them. I've looked through training protocol after training protocol. And there's a reason I made a joke earlier that I'm going to make now. This is the truth of actually being successful with a shop compared to talking about getting a stain out of a carpet as important. This is going to make or break your business period. Not whether you can get that last little edge with your polisher. It's great stuff. You should know it, but 90% of your business in a shop setting is going to come down to making this deal right 
from the get-go and nine out of 10 we come across Marty have made a bad deal. Yeah. And you know, it could be like we said, it's, 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 it's easy to get into our business and yep. um, it's easy to get in. There's multiple new beginners coming in uh, weekly by the masses, right? Great. Welcome. Thanks for coming. Uh, happy to have more in our industry that hopefully we can continue to push it to new heights. The, the theory that uh, has been predominantly growing over the years, um, I would say over the past five, at least, you know, maybe that's as I started more getting into the, the national realm and, and not just hunkering down in Tulsa, uh, has been this idea that you could go from a mobile detailer and go into a shop setting and you have reached nirvana. Like, you've made it. And, and once you're in a shop, I mean, you're, man, you're, in, you're there. Hey, customers just show up. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, I, think, I think there, there, there is a height of, if, if it seems to be in the business, right? it seems to be in the marketplace, it seems to be in the industry, uh, seems to be branding, however we want to say it, right? It, there just seems to be this nomer that if you can start as a mobile detailer and then make it to a shop, you've leveled up, right? You've, you've made it to the next part. It, it just, I don't know why. I don't know who yeah. started it. It just, it just, I hear it all the time, you know, whether it's in personal trainings that we do where we're in a shop and they come in and they just go, wow, I just, I wish I could have a place like this. One day I will. One day I'm going to have a yeah. place like that, you know, or you see it in forums. Oh, I just dream of getting a shop, right? Or people that get a shop and then they've arrived and they'll say that they've arrived and I have a shop now, right? It's, it's this theory. The practical aspect of what you just talked about, you're right. If, if we don't understand that somebody else is in business and while we mean the best for our customers, not everybody else means the best for you. And he's right. If there's a problem that goes on, Hey, listen, there's most of them aren't going to be nice about it at all. You're just going to be stuck no. with a massive bill. And, and they actually say the words, why are you calling us? Look at your lease. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, let me tell you, that's, that's what they're there to do. They're there to monitor the lease. They know what they're responsible for. They know what you're responsible for. They deal with it all day and they're trying to get out of paying a bill. There's no profit in constantly fixing your property. The yeah. profit is, leasing it to you, putting everything on your back, and that's it. That's exactly where they make their money. I, I'm not trying to tell people it's right or wrong. I'm telling you this is the reality. Now, may it change because of, of this pandemic and commercial real estate is going to take a big hit? Maybe it does. But the whole business model today, what is it, October 5th of 2020, is do nothing and charge you for everything. That's the commercial real estate model. And that's what banks lend money on is that model that this person's really not on the hook for anything. This is the profit margin they're going to make. We can get our money. Everybody's getting their. I mean, it's been the biggest scam and the biggest wealth creator in the United States of America for a hundred years. It's commercial real estate. It's the yeah. fastest way to get wealthy, plain and simple. And detailers could be one that gets sucked into a bad deal. So I think basically what yep. you're saying is just be cautious on the lease, you know? Yep. So I let me give you said some before, yeah. I think yep. you've said before, you said, hey, go take your time. Let a lawyer read over it. Yep. You know, pull so out the here's words, what you can do. pull out the stuff. 
Marty, you, you want to trans? You want to let's give some practical advice. We've made our jokes now. We've had a good time. Okay, but let's talk about practical. Marty, you want to go to a shop. Here's what you do. You need to get a buyer's agent. You need to pay to have an agent, a commercial real estate agent, like you pay a real estate agent to go and start searching for exactly what you're looking for. I'm looking for a one bay shop. I'm looking for a two bay shop. I'm looking for a three bay shop. And you need to be specific. This is what I want. And this is how much money I want to pay each month. This is all that I can afford. Let them go do their, their bidding. Now, in some states, this may be different. Sometimes you have to pay a fee up front. Sometimes they get a fee from the seller. It's all different from where you're at. So you need to check into that. But no matter what, you need an agent. Let the agent help you. But know your parameters, right? Hey, this is all I can afford. I can't have anything add up to this. So now the person finds something. He says, this is a great deal. Am I going to take the real estate agent's advice? No. I'm going to then go to a real estate attorney. And I'm going to say, okay, I've been handed this lease. Before I sign it, please tell me the pitfalls and keep me out of trouble. How do I make this deal in my favor? And what you'll find is that attorney is going to go all over the page. You'll be surprised how much stuff they cut off. I mean, they're just going to be red pen, red pen. I mean, it's, if you've never witnessed it, you can't believe they're crossing all this stuff out. So the reason that they're crossing it out is they're going to see what they can get away with on your behalf. And so what happens is now you have representation on your side. And, and during this time, you can start to have all kinds of conversations with these people. Hey, am I getting a good deal? Hey, what do you see? Hey, should I sign this? Hey, have you dealt with this landlord before? Because an attorney or somebody may look at you and say, hey, look, I got three other cases. I'm dealing with this exact landlord all over town. Don't get in business with them. Your life will be miserable. You'll lose. Okay. So you want these people on your side. That's practical advice. Do not sign an agreement because your brother once sold real estate in 85. Hire people that are doing it every day and have people on your side. I know what people are going to say, well, that's expensive. Well, if that's too expensive for you, you can't afford the shop. Okay. It's that simple. So you got to get people on your side and that is practical advice from the get-go. Know your budget, what you can afford. You should be able to very easily afford the first six months if nobody ever walks in the door. Okay. Uh, that's what they're going to, they're going to want a deposit. They're going to want all these different things, but here's the real pitfall. Most commercial real estate for a young business owner is going to cost you a personal guarantee where you have to personally sign on the dotted line and say, Marty, I guarantee all the things that my business guarantees. So guess what that means? I know what you're thinking. I'm going to bankrupt my business. I'll just walk away from the shop. No, your name's on it. And that means they can sue you personally for whatever goes on in that building. Whatever you fail to pay, if your business goes out of business. So that means bankruptcy court for not only your business, but it means bankruptcy court for you personally and now you got to talk about your house and you got to, what cars do you own? And they're going through your life. So it's not to be taken lightly. And what we see people do is take this decision lightly. And I like what you said, like it's Nirvana. Like once I get there, all the world's problems are going to be solved. Oh. And I think it's the exact opposite. It's way easier to sell clients when you're mobile because you can make their life easy. You're going into a whole different realm when there's a shop. We hear this from shop owners all the time. Oh, I didn't live close to this person, so they wouldn't bring me in their car, and I, I couldn't go get it. And it, Hey, look, man, 
the shop is not easy and people don't just, you don't build it and they will, it's not field of dreams. Okay. You're not going to just build the shop and all of a sudden everybody's going to start giving you business. If that's what you think you're going to lose, but get those people on your side from the get go. So you can actually get some advice from people that are doing working with commercial real estate every day. And I'm telling you, it pays dividends in the end. All right. Anything else? Last words of advice on finance yep. for going into a shop. Anything else that uh, yep. we should be cautious about? So the final part of this is if you're opening a shop because you think I want to build my empire out of this shop. Okay. So you followed the advice. You've started to get work with real estate agents. You've started thinking through this properly, but you're doing this. We all open a shop because we want it to be open forever right? I want to build a great company. So you're going to build this company. You should, if that's what you believe, you're going to be there the next 20 years. Within the first five years of opening your shop, your goal should be buying your own building. To run your shop out of your own building. I'm not saying it's the building that you're in. You know, your five-year lease comes up. The end of that five-year lease, two-year lease, five-year lease is popular out here. I don't know what it is everywhere else, maybe two years, one year, whatever, but five years is what you sign mostly in, in places like, you know, larger cities. So let's say you sign a five-year lease. At the end of that five-year lease, you should be thinking to yourself, okay, I killed it. My shop's doing well. I saved every penny I could save. I'm going to go buy my building. And the reason is, is because that's where wealth is really created. That's when you take your business from working every day to detail a car to now the advantages of owning commercial real estate that you can rent back to yourself. You become the landlord to yourself. And so to speak, this is when your life really changes. And the shop owners that I know that are 20 years in, they all have one thing in common. They all do business differently. Okay. They all have things they're good at or not good at, but they all own their building. The most successful mechanic in your area owns his building. That's the guy that's made the most money. It's not the biggest shop. Now he may have the biggest shop. Let's say that's not true. Let's say the biggest shop, he doesn't own his building. And this little guy over here has three little bays and just stays busy, but he owns the real estate. When he goes to retire, Marty, guess what he can sell? The real estate. Yeah. The building. I mean, I got, I got one of my really good friends out here. That's what he's going through. He's been diagnosed with cancer. He's an older gentleman, but guess what he has? $2 million piece of real estate that he bought 10 years ago that now he can support his wife when he's gone and say, okay, sell it. You know, don't worry about the mechanic shop, close it down. No big deal. This is where life changes. And this is why we did this financial series is to finally get to the place where we can say, you got to start making life-changing decisions. Life-changing decisions isn't what soap to buy, what polisher to buy, what training to go to. That, that shit isn't life-changing. It's great. You should care about it. It's part of your business. Running your business soundly from an accounting perspective, being really good at sales and marketing, and being really, really smart if you're going to get into the real estate game as a shop owner, that's what changes the game. That's what changes your family. That's what changes what neighborhood you can live in. Because you're not just going to get to the richest neighborhood because you detail a lot of cars. No. Just doesn't it work that way. No. And so all you young guys that are thinking about this and you really want to change your life. And I know you hear a lot of advice and you have a lot of flash on the internet and all these people tell you they know what they're talking about. Real estate, if you're going to open a shop, you need to own it. 
period in the story. And that should be the final piece of it. I like it, man. I like it. That's great advice. Nick, thank you as always for your time. Thanks for everything yep. that you put out for the community. Uh, something that is super cool for the community. Uh, we'll start reminding everybody that if you're going to go to Mobile Tech Expo Orlando 2021, you better hurry up and get your passes because you might not get in for education day. Um, and if you use, because you're part of the community, if you use discount code PINTS, you will get 15% off your, uh, your deal at uh, Mobile Tech Orlando. Uh, Nick, I don't know if, if you're going to make it out there. Maybe we'll get some Zoom time, maybe a little Zoom maybe. time coming yeah, in. Yeah, that's the plan. That's All right. The plan right I, now. I hope so. But that was the big announcement uh, we're hearing out of Mobile Tech. So uh, community, continue to stay tuned as uh, Sheldon will come on and continue to update us as we go. Nick, thank you as always for your time. Where do people find you on social? Vegas.rides on all social. Nick at VegasRides.com. Get I get a ton of emails. Can't thank everybody enough. Uh, hopefully, we're helping some of the guys out there. You know, I, I know we're walking them through purchasing equipment, and we're walking them through starting their shop. We're walking them through little uh, decisions with competitors. Uh, so, anything we can do to help, you know, send Marty and I a line, and uh, we'll do our best. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. All right, Nick. Till next week, man. Uh, great right, series on finance, and uh, thanks as always, bro. Have a great week. All right, man. You too, brother. See ya. See ya. <laughs>Hey community, hope you enjoyed the episode. What are you doing Wednesday night at 7.30 Central? Let's have a beer. The Zoom ID is 918-800-1188 and the community pub opens at 7.30 Central. Zoom ID is 918-800-1188. We look forward to seeing you there. Ooh.